Just seen a stampede of thieves in jeans and all green fatigue Coming for my freedom, cousin, something I can't leave So if I die, then I die, but my freedom's coming with me Looking kinda shit there, a load about 50 Round the clips of all them devils take a hit Matches lit, feel the wrath of a captive escaping this captive's grip Capture this, a new chapter of rapture's bliss The path to self-determination is attached to this That's the reason why we train lean is accurate See freedom within my grasp And I'm grabbing it Clenched fists But these cats will rather act the script And that's the reason why the less travel path exists We need soldiers We getting high, getting money, big rims on the ride But we're still on the plantation We go to these universities and get their degrees But we're still on the plantation We got black and brown layers But all the same problems still here Cause we're still on the plantation Try to capitalize, selling lies, telling Blocks to work in their crops from cell blocks with locks to city blocks with cops. Picking cotton on plots, free hops in a cop to being sold, being bought, being private stock that don't stop until we demand it. You've seen the parallels, how you think they didn't plan it? We barely making it while they make it off like bandits. Our ancestors died in the struggle, we take for granted. We know what slavery is, but the freedom we unaccustomed to be a boss and not to be a boss. That is the question. No easy road to walk by any standards But we owe it to ourselves for our woman and manhood No cowards allowed, sharpen your weapons It's no more bowing and guessing When you want power, you gotta take it By any means, strategies, seen and unseen It's no fear, our enemies bleed like we bleed In the daytime, we grind In the nighttime, we scheme To the right time to strike, break the chains and take our freedom In the daytime, we grind And in the nighttime, we scheme To the right time to strike, break the chains and take our freedom We getting high, getting money 
You heard me? Believable. So I just did the whole intro and I screwed it all up. <laughs> this is unbelievable. All right, it's Mike Crawford. I'm sorry I had the great intro and I screwed it up, but that's okay. Uh, I wanted to help. I was wondering why you're all looking at me in blank faces. I kept muting you on and off. <laughs> this is an experiment. I'm learning every day. Mike Crawford, Young Jerks. Uh, just kick it off. We had the Foundation Movement featuring the Dead Prez Plantation with a song. Uh, my boy E-Rock Arroyo. We have some great guests here. Uh, we've been covering and looking at over the last couple of years some of these big cannabis dispensaries. We wrote a story two years ago, uh, Dig Boston. You can check that out. Uh, we've given some hints. We got four uh, people who worked at New England Treatment Access here on our Zoom today. And we're really happy. And some of them are just meeting each other on the virtual Zoom today on our little call for the first time. They've known each other, but they haven't met each other in like, you know, face to face. So this is it. Uh, I want to start with Rob Colley. He's at the very top uh, from Franklin. What's up, Rob? How you doing, Mike? Thanks for having us. Sorry for making you wait so long. I play a video oh, and I screw up the intro. And... Nah, listen, man, it, you know, cannabis is very strong nowadays and it's understandable. Uh, yeah. You know, we really, we, we appreciate the opportunity and the platform. Um, you know, thank you very much for having us. Thank you for being here. And dude, cannabis is strong, but I need some. I, I'm the only one who can't smoke here. I'm watching you all smoke and I'm jealous. I have to go out, out, outside. I can't smoke in my condo here, unfortunately. But you, you're all making me jealous. I love it. Um, and so we also have uh, Chris and Corinne, uh, Chris Perkins and Corinne, uh, how do I say the last name again? Prado. Prado, yeah, you're good. Yeah, said it right? Yeah. And you, you, you also worked in Franklin, right? Yeah. Okay. And we also have uh, Babs. I'm not sure how to say your last name. How do I? Is it Cara, Cara Picciano? Yeah. I got it. Yeah. I'm trying. <laughs> That's like one in a million for me. Thank you, Babs, for making <laughs> hey. it easy for me. Hey, thank you. <laughs> and you worked at Brooklyn, you, Brookline, uh, the New England Treatment Access. When, let's start again because I want to, you know, we'll start with Babs because, you know, we have you right now. When did you work at New England Treatment Access? Um, I worked there from April of 2019 until April of 2020. So for basically the last year until, you know, a month ago, you worked there. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, or even less. So you you, you basically have just recently left there. Um, and how about uh, Chris and Corinne? I started in April of 2019 as well, and then I left in January of this year um, after I had just made my way up through the ranks of trying to get things fixed from the inside, basically. Yeah, and I started in January of 2019, and I've been there until April, so this month. 
So you were all recently working there. And um, Rob? Uh, yeah, I started uh, uh, May 2019, and uh, I was furloughed, um, you know, or laid off. Uh, along with the, about half the company on uh, April 8th. So just shy of, I was about there uh, almost exactly 11 months. Perfect. And so basically all of you had, you know, been there within, you know, the last few months. So you have an idea of what's been going on. Uh, there's been a lot of things posted on Reddit. There's been a Boston Globe story. There's been a lot of talk. I, I've heard a lot. Um, I'm wondering where you want to start because I, I wanted to just get out about the unsafe working conditions. And I think you all know more about it than I do. So who wants to start and where do you want to start about unsafe working conditions? Where do you think? Well, I think the, on the least safe department as far as health concerns is the trim room. So maybe the two that have been in the trim room the most would want to start. Um, I was kind of in and out of every department cleaning because I was in the environmental services side of things. So I have a totally different story, but uh, the depart the trim department, I'd say has the most health, most health issues. As far as people coming out of there with, with signs of dealing with environmental stress, yes. Do you want to, I'm not sure how you want to organize this too. Would you like to go uh, COVID stuff first or would you like to go just general environmental? Where, where do you like to start, I guess? What do you think is the most urgent to just start with right now? Probably the COVID stuff, I'd say. Let's probably stay on, on course What's been that. in the, you know. Yeah. Um, well, do you want me to kind of set it up too? Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, sure I, I've heard recently, and you can correct me if I'm wrong and fill in the blanks. And I always get corrected by guests, so it's totally fine. <laughs> um, let's say there was a meeting called by management recently of New England Treatment Access during a pandemic, where someone positive with COVID-19 entered the entered the meeting and infected other employees that happened okay so i i personally sent an email they they weren't really taking the whole covid 19 thing seriously they weren't act actively doing anything to you know make you think they were at least they said they were assembling a task force but um we all received an email in our uh in our company emails about a French toast breakfast or a French toast buffet that was being organized by one of our, you know, fellow employees. And I, the kitchen manager, the God, you know, a lot of yeah. love, uh, you know, looking out for the, for the folks and that, uh, grossly mishandles, you know, exactly. So, so this was like actually a good thing. Like someone in the kitchen was like, or not like what do great you great intentions of course you know this we're all going through it you know it's a, it's it's tough times you know at, at that point we've been deemed essential employees and it's you know it's tough you know the, the whole world is going you know through global pandemic and and you know uh, people in our culture i mean you know I, I use the term very endearingly i'm proud to be a stoner and i say that you know you know stoners look out for each other and you know the kitchen staff look out for us and I think they're, 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 you know, their hearts are pure. And I think that had the company had an actual plan and some awareness, 
as to what's appropriate and what's not appropriate to do during a global pandemic, they could have taken that, you know, that, that incentive and that, you know, a really great idea, you know, shout out to the kitchen staff and done something, you know, that would have been safe, you know, and, and could have helped us and, you know, brought spirits up, raised morale without endangering us. But what they did um, was make it seem like it was a potluck. And then what ended up happening was, you know, they just left like plates of food out and people thought they could, so someone brought like candy and left candy. And like, then it became like the people sharing items, okay, which, like is, style. which, which is, is probably insane. the worst way during a which, pandemic. The, the problem in my mind, you know, there was the, the, the response uh, uh, to the COVID-19, you know, pandemic is like their response to every problem, you know, that they have is, you know, it's a paper, it's a paper response. You know, it exists, it exists in emails and it exists in, in, in workbooks and handbooks and task force, but nothing gets done. Nothing changes. And the people who are working today at NETA are in danger. It's a dangerous, unsafe working environment. It is, it is completely, you know, it, it's, it's something that needs to be addressed immediately, today, right now. Um, so this this thing that happened where they put out the food um well intentioned as it was when was that was that the end of march the 25th uh, of march March 25th so that was pretty damn recently that was less than a month ago yeah i sent an email directly to compliance as well and i said hey not to be you know a debbie downer i know their intentions come from the right place but this is not the best idea to be doing in, in the middle of a global pandemic you know it's not not a smart thing it's just inviting trouble and i think the person that was positive ended up being at that at that buffet it's because it turned into not just they told me it was going to be a uh, individually wrapped each each person gets a plate that's been covered and there's going to be no shared spaces or utensils or anything like that they still keep practicing social distancing and it like like rob said it just turned into a potluck did someone actually get infected from that do you think Within a week, we had the first confirmed case in Franklin, April, uh, March 31st. We had the email that there was. And so this uh, was in the Franklin location that that pot like our, yeah. our cultivation facility in Franklin. We had the, the breakfast on the 25th, and then we got the email saying that we had a confirmed case in Franklin on the 31st when we got the email. And the next day, we got the email that it was in Northampton. Um, the dispensary in Northampton had two employees with positive tests on April 1st next day now those positive did you know who they were can you confirm they were at that meeting no 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 they weren't at that meeting um the no whole cases were separate but it was it was more of a I, I believe the account was that the person went sick homesick the day of the the breakfast, the breakfast. Yeah. They, they went home <laughs> feeling symptoms that day that day and they were at that and they they can they did confirm later. Yeah. Okay. And the and the reality is, I mean, in, in Franklin, and I know Babs can speak to this as well in Brookline, and I'm sure everyone in Northampton. When we work, I mean, it, we can't really be distant. Uh, you know, for us to be distant would require a real program, a thought out, you know, implemented and executed of spacing and distance, PPE. They had us reusing masks. You know, they were running out of masks and gloves. You know, they had, you know, they have one sink in the trim room that routinely runs out of hot water. You know, you have to wash your hands in cold water. Um, it, it's, it's just, 
you know, it's not, it's not adequate. And I would imagine in Brookline, it's, it's probably, you know, pretty similar bad. Yeah. I mean, like there's three bathrooms in the whole facility uh, to oh, handle like a hundred plus people. Um, you know, not much time to wash your hands in between like patient or client transactions. Um, there wasn't any like hand sanitizer that was easily available. There was like one thing at the entrance, another um, before you got downstairs. And then I think there was another one downstairs, but like there wasn't much in terms of that, but like they had plenty of gloves. We didn't have masks. Um, and like in previous emails, they had stated that they were going to be like purchasing these masks and purchasing thermometers and trying to like implement a prog protocol to like handle everything. But I didn't see anything but the gloves and like trying to social distance, but like some <laughs> areas, to, yeah. <laughs> it, it was kind of difficult to do. Um, so like, it was it was just a very sticky situation all around. What about with the customers? I mean, is there any? Did, are they asked to wear masks? Anything like that with them? So um, at the time that I was still working, um, which was back in March, I ended up taking a personal leave of absence because I was uncomfortable actually going to work because I have like an autoimmune disease. So I was trying to protect myself to the best of my abilities because in my opinion, things weren't being handled as appropriately as it should have been when you have immunocompromised folks on your staff. And then if you get into like the patient or the client aspect of things, we don't know these people. They could very well be in the same boat. So it like, it was a little um, uncomfortable for me. Why was it uncomfortable? There was like, I didn't have masks because I'm immunocompromised. Uh, I just like wasn't comfortable being on the floor. Um, and then after a while, I just felt really uncomfortable being outside um, just because of everything that's going on and the fact that there are things everywhere not being done appropriately, in my opinion. And I feel like this whole situation hasn't been handled very well not just at netta but like everywhere too oh yeah yeah i'm uh, you'll get a chorus from me at least i think a lot of people but what about the way netta handled that because you came in and said i have a immune i'm compromised i'm at risk how did they handle that when you told them when you had that conversation with management so like at first it was kind of we'll try to accommodate you and we'll get you into a different area where you're not exposed to the public. And that was cool. But like there were 10 people all like probably about a foot away from each other. And it was like, that was also an uncomfortable situation because nothing was really being implemented the way that it should have been. Like we were told that social distancing was going to be a thing and there was still like congregating areas because there's not much elsewhere to go. Like those are the only spaces that are offered. And like, I, I think that they thought they were doing something the, the best that they could, but when suggested from employees, it was kind of brushed off and ignored. 
Now you were in the Boston Globe, right? For the Dan Adams piece, was that you, Babs? Yeah. You quoted. You were, were you the only person that was publicly quoted? I I think I remember that, right? The only one. Yeah. That's the god. And you were still working there at that time, were you, or no? You had just left. I I was on a leave of absence, but I was still an employee there. And what did did they say anything? Was there any pushback? What like any response from them? You feel anything? Um, I mean, there was nothing immediately, but eight days later from, I believe when that article was released, I think it was April 1st, but eight days later, I lost my job. I was laid off, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, uh, I saw Rob throw up the horns or something like, I'm like, wow, you, you, that's ballsy. Babs is our leader. Babs is, we, I will follow Babs in the battle. Wherever she leads, I will follow. Same with I, Corinne, same with Chris. <laughs> That's awesome. Got you guys too. <laughs> Great work. You're making me smile because this is a tough kind of tough, you know, conversations. But you know, the reality that, that is, man, is I, me, I think this yeah. is, you know, I, I don't want to overstate it, but at the same time, I don't think I can overstate it. This is a cultural. This is, you know, this is a this is a, a battle for more than just a workplace. It's a culture. This is what we hope this industry would be. It is rapidly becoming a nightmare. It is the exact thing that this industry was designed to not be. It is dominated by old vested money. It is dominated by five companies. It's the opposite of equitable, the opposite of progressive, the opposite of safe, you know, and ultimately it's bad business for them. But true, you know, what we're here to talk about today is, you know, our, our fellow employees or our former employees who you know, our friends uh, are still in that room and they're still in that building and they're at risk. And they're risking their lives. Like you would, you would consider that this is like risking your life. I mean, anyone, anywhere, I think at any store, any, you know, is going to have that risk. But when you can't really trust the management to even try to do the right thing. Right. So these are the people that, you know, I'm, you know I can't overstate it. These, this, you know, this company, you know, maybe what it started as was one thing and it, it seemed glorious. You know, when I was a patient, you know, I had a very strong reputation uh, and then I became an employee right at the, changed hands the company became something else and um you know the state allowed it to happen and maybe that's a whole different conversation we could have but big cannabis came to massachusetts and it treated us the stoners like big you know companies always have you know they treat us like trash they treat us like we're disposable and that they've proven that with their you know general dangerous workplace and their refusal to implement any type of emergency responsiveness or preparedness you know, program. They have a plan on paper, but that's all it is. There's nothing beyond that. They don't have a program uh, and they refuse to have one. So if they're not going to have one, you know, the only, I, I honestly, I hope that, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm naive. They'll never, they'll never change, but I hope they hear this. You know, I hope we're not their enemy. You know, we're trying to protect our friends and people that we care about and they should too. And if, I don't know why they fight us so hard on that. I have a feeling that some of them will be listening. It seems like there's a lot of people listening right now. Well, I hope so, man. I hope they're in. Yeah. For example, um, so we're in the middle of a union election, or starting to get a union election going, and this is that's when they schedule this layoff for. <clears throat> so the union, I want to make sure people can hear that clearly. There's a union election happening. So there's organizing going on at New England Treatment Access. So with this COVID-19 controversy, 
people getting sick. Uh, it's in the Boston Globe. The CCC says they're looking into it, the Cannabis Control Commission. So this is making waves, and this is New England Treatment Access, so everyone knows who's you know casual and doesn't know what's going on. This is the number one Netta. dispensary, Netta, as it's called. It's basically Netta Cares, if you want to look up their website. Number one dispensary in Massachusetts, basically, group. You know, They're the biggest chain right now because they are closest to Boston. They have a lot of it's money. Foot traffic. Yeah, they have a lot of foot traffic. They're the big cannabis, big money, making a lot of money, a lot of money. And they, it started off with a lot of money. If you look back at the story I did on the uh, Kessler family, I mean, they're the ones, he was the one who brought Donald Trump and Bill Clinton together on a vacation down at Mar-a-Lago, you know? So that's the kind of money that started this thing. It's since it's gone to even, seems like even more money, like it's a different group of people. It's same type of idea, in my opinion, but this is about the employees. So the COVID-19 yeah. happens. Uh, like the union issue now, because you're organizing during this, what, what do they do? They lay people off, right? You just said that half the company. Tell us about that. Tell us about like how it happened. Do you think they picked the union people? Like when is the vote? Like, how does that, how, how does it affect it? Like, tell us all about it. Well, I'm going to start with a couple months prior to, um, the union actually, getting to Brookline and to Franklin, there was a kind of a, a lot of safety concerns coming up in, in Franklin. And the way they addressed it was to uh, install a safety committee. So what they did was they took two randomly selected uh, volunteers from each department and they had uh, a meeting every week where they discussed the safety concerns. But we never saw anything actually get changed from that either. I think it was just a way to kind of placate, placate and stop us from, you know, the idea of unionization itself. Yeah, a show committee. So that that kind of quelled a little bit of people's anxiety. But uh, mm. I work in the MIP lab, and it's a uh, it's probably the most dangerous, uh, not dangerous, volatile place in that building say that again because you broke up a little bit what kind of lab uh the marijuana infused products lab we okay started. you infuse the products um, is that like bho propane yep exactly so okay i i my personal job myself was to um, pump distillate and that's that's what i did every day um but i would go into work and there's so little space in this building that we have between 17 and 25 people in the room just um, production employees, and they're all working on their own individual projects. But there are carts all around the room, kind of Tetris, so that you can be sitting working in your chair, go to get up and turn around, and you'll trip over something that someone moved behind you. So the room is a is it's crowded. a fire code disaster. It's a fire code disaster. It's crowded. How big is that room? Oh, Say, Chris, how big do you think it is? I'd say it was probably about 25 by maybe 40 or 50 feet. Yeah. It sounds about right. Yeah. And there's there's an island of tables in the middle, so it's not an open floor plan. It's, yeah. It's a, there's one, two, three, four rows of workstations that you're usually elbow to elbow with all the new hirings that they did before the layoff. Um, but yeah, there's just no space for people or for any space for you to work in there without 
tripping over a cart. And then you add in the fact that they have all those solvents in the room. And it's just. It's very concerning for from a fire safety perspective because they have the whole extraction area. Like you said, they have the butane, the propane, they have the ethanol, they have the 99% isopropyl alcohol. They've got, you know, basically everything that can go boom or just burst into flames at a really pretty low temperature. And um, the way the doors are set up, they've got, if, if one thing caught in one room and then people tried to get out of the, the, they're one of only two egresses from the lab, if they open that door and the fire was there, it would immediately draft in and just light everything up that's on the inside of that door that's flammable. So it's from a from a fire safety standpoint, it's terrifying. And on that egress, if they're if they were able to get out of that, the hallway itself is maybe like three and a half feet wide. So to have anyone trying to get through, it would be it would be a bottleneck. It would be a nightmare. And so. Um... There was mentioned something about a fire. I don't know anything about the fire. What's is that another can of worms that we should go down to at this point, or do we want to? Add? I think a little closer to that. You what? Yeah, I tell you, I've, I've worked. Oh, I worked at Netta for eleven months, and in my time there, there was there were more fires and fire drills because we never had a fire drill. We had a fire overnight. A test light bulb exploded. Uh, this was on uh, February 23rd, uh, 2020. Uh, overnight, it happened, it, it, it lit a cart on fire in one of the flower rooms, which ignited and the fire system turned on, put the fire out. You know, the, <laughs> it pumped for 45 minutes too long though, so there was massive water damage, which they had to deal with, oh. which is unfortunate, but you know, where we weren't even told we had to find out kind of like word of mouth from the people that worked the overnight shift that hey by the way there was a fire last night we came in there's all types of restoration crews going on in my previous line of work i was a special educator i was a job coach for adults with disabilities and and part of that you know job is going to work sites and you know assessing the safety and uh you know in my time i i would say i would not you know, in my previous career, I would not have recommended that a work group go to NETA, you know, and I told them that. I emailed them that. I'm still waiting to this day for an email about that fire. I emailed them and said that their responsiveness was unacceptable and that there wasn't a program. And, you know, I met with the EHS team and it was a lot of, you know, patting on the head and thanks for coming out. Really appreciate it. And, and nothing changed. Still haven't had a fire drill. Still waiting for those emails. And that, you know, to me, that, that's a desperate, you know, that's a problem. That's, that's, a, that's a real working condition that needs to be addressed. Uh, and, and they're just, they refuse to address it. Do you guys want to add anything to that? Or you think, uh, Rob, pretty much? I'll add something quick to that. My um, other concern with that from just like a location logistics perspective is, they keep pulling people, and now I'm sure even more so, from different departments to go back out into the area where they grow everything, and no one knows the layout. So if they did have a fire that became a, a real problem... Um, people would die. Yeah, pe the people that would be stuck there, they wouldn't be able to find their way out, most likely. Like, there, there would be loss of life. That's just... 
that's what's the most concerning to me. There's no no um, priority put on having anyone learn the layout when they go back there, and it's really scary. So you you don't know like a fire drill like the basics. I mean, I think pretty much anywhere I work, the first thing they would do is do a fire drill. I mean, that's just even when I was um, like you know doing basic jobs and like when I was a teenager, like working at restaurants. You know what I mean? Is that how it's truly? Is that how big? Is that that's how big cannabis thinks of its frontline workers? Thinks of its trim room? Is it didn't care enough about us to make sure that we knew how to get out of that room? I had to advocate for it, you know, from the people, you know, that should have been showing me this program. They were the ones telling me that that's not my job. I don't, you know, it's not a problem. Oh, just follow the crowd when you go out. Follow your team lead. Somebody will be around to follow. I'm like these are the things they tell you that are, are not programmed, these are what's dangerous. This is why you, you that's, what was, that's what's in place when there's tragedy. And right. they, they say that you have to learn from that and make sure you have a real program so that that doesn't happen. Oh, that's yeah. exactly, today, right now, that's what's happening there. Their program is a piece of paper in a manila folder in the trim room that three people know about. That's crazy. And if, if it I'll wasn't for something. like, through my mentors, yeah. I would not have known the way out. And it's, I, it's insane. It's insane. I, I, you know, I used to do, uh, back in the day, I did a lot of events, rock shows mostly, like, you know, promotions and booking, mostly fundraisers for Mass Can Normal. And even before that, I did events. And somewhere along the line, the station fire happened. And ever uh, since, ever since, no matter where I go, Cause I, you know, we, my, the band I was, I actually used to book a band too. And that band was supposed to play there and they had pyro, but we had a plan. We had a plan to make sure that would never happen. I was one of the spotters. We'd be watching the stage with our back. Like we had a whole plan and we had no money. Like, but after that happened, I just, cause I read about it. I knew people. It just, I always, anytime I go to a restaurant, anywhere, and like it, sometimes the private parties, the underground parties right. around Boston, where's right. the exits? I want to know. Right. I want to know if, if there's a back exit to get out. You know, I right. want to know because this is because the reality is if you have especially a plan, an industrial you a plant where you're working, yeah, that's exactly. that's insane. It's 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 you know the type of place I thought when I started mm-hmm. there. You know, I knew this was an entry level job. I took this because I was really excited to get a job in the cannabis industry. I thought. I'd, couldn't sit on the sideline anymore i'm really excited to get in there and you know it felt like a place they talk a great game about you know hearing you and promoting you and taking you know your ideas and 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 you know building with them and that's how you can you know build yourself in the company i mean that's they want to invest in you and you invest in them it sounds great but it falls on deaf ears because no one's interested in it it just it just sounds like more work and and the conditions don't get any better and you'd think that in an industrial cannabis production, this would be the leading edge. This would be the best of the best for it. If this is medically essential, if this is, you know, for us to be treated as medical essential workers, because this is medical essential product, that you'd think that would be equitable. You'd think that would, you know, link up. Uh, it was supposed that's, to be. That's the way it was promoted. I mean, I was there. I was there every step of the way. So... That's what disgusts me. I see it all the time. There's no thought on even the employees, never mind the patients. But um, we're talking about the employees today because employees are risking their lives. They're underpaid. They're abused. I've seen this culture over and over again. Not just Netta. I'm not just picking on Netta today. Well, you know, we're talking about Netta today, but there are other big dispensaries too. And 
I think this, we should like basically, this is a workers movement and we're the show will do it. And I know other places probably will too at this point, but if you're at any dispensary in Massachusetts and you're being abused, you want to tell your story. We're here. We're always here for you. And, uh, I think, yeah, we need to have solidarity and workers movement here. Uh, we're talking to three, uh, people who worked at New England Treatment Access within, in, within the last year or even last couple months, uh, they're telling us their stories. Um, anything you, like, cause I think we're going to get to people getting sick cause I've heard that a lot as well. Um, but is there anything that you kind of want to bring up and share that we haven't kind of touched at this point that you think is really important that make sure we get to? Um, the biggest issue I've run into when I've been trying to deal with the health and safety issues that I've seen, um, aside from attempting to get it done with the people who work for the company, um, who were not very cooperative or at all, but one of the main issues um, is that none of the regulatory bodies in Massachusetts seem to know who's in charge of the health and safety of the cannabis industry. Um, so I went to OSHA and they said their hands were tied until someone either lost life or limb um, because it's not under federal jurisdiction and Massachusetts only has federal OSHA. And then, so I called the Department of Labor and they told me to call the CCC and I called the CCC and they said, thank you for your input. Yeah, and they do, they do what little they do. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that. I'm glad you brought that up. I'm really glad because I also had an experience when I was writing that story two years ago, January 2018. Um, over the months before that, I had, had several correspondence and phone calls with OSHA. And at one point, they seemed like they were like kind of shitting themselves. But at another point, they told me exactly what you're saying, that we can't really get into it because of the feds. You know, contact, uh, I think it was the DPH, and, you know, they were doing the baton pass between DPH and CCC at that time, I believe. So, but it's just weird. And, you know, contact the attorney general who doesn't want to get involved. Um, but it seems like the CCC, am I right? I've heard some things that they, they're, they're, have they talked to any of you that, you know, like have the CCC talked to you guys, any of you about the COVID? Yeah. I heard there was a, like an And only, and only about the COVID. So they, they are investigating and a, a cannabis control commissioner called you about the COVID-19, Rob? What I'm an investigator say? on behalf investigator. of the commission. Yeah. I mean, because there's, you know, it's in the news. You know, the, 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 you know, preparedness, if you want to call it that, or the program, you know, for the response to COVID-19, the outbreak in Franklin cultivation facility. Um, and like, you know, uh, I understand that that is probably within their scope and only within the scope of what they're allowed to investigate within this investigation. But what's the point of the commission? If, if when I'm telling them about the work conditions, the unsafe conditions, every table in the trim room is broken. It's missing a a part of its leg or it's not supported right. Every chair is broken. It's not, you know, giving enough lumbar support for the trimmers and, and your feet and your ankles and your low back and your arms. It's a 10 hour day in the trim room, seven hour day. You know, it used to be a Monday to Friday, eight hour gig sounded kind of cushy. Now it's very much uh, the cannabis mine. And I'm not overstating that because they don't care about anything other than profit. And that's, you know, that's the condition that we work in is where it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's, it's not about us. It's not about the people. 
you know, we're not, we're not worth it. Apparently, uh, the, the, the shears are dull. The harvesters routinely have to cut plants down uh, with shears that are dull and it's dangerous. Um, no one buying, I mean, it's, and they talk, oh, they just need to know that. They could just know that. They know that. So hearing that from people from generations of workers and nothing changes. And, and if you're not trimming two pounds a day, it's not, they're not paying you what you're worth, you know? It's, if you're not bowling all day and there was a powerful tunnel, you know, you're not going to get right. paid a living wage, not at all. Right, right. exactly. And so what, what did the, the investigator call, like you, you talked to an investigator on the phone from the Cannabis Control Commission, uh, Rob, <laughs> did anyone else from the panel talk to the, you did too, all three of you? Okay. So what is all four of you? Okay. So all four of you have talked to a cannabis uh, control commission investigator about the COVID-19. What kind of questions was he asking? What's his demeanor? Did you have any other information on what they may be doing about this? He was cool. Seemed like a cool guy. Yeah, he but. was receptive as far as the the COVID stuff went. He seemed he would entertain other things you would say, but you could tell he was kind of trying to bring it to an end and back to the COVID. Yeah, he's good. I mean, he was he was very good, you know. What but, kind of questions was he asking you about it, like specifically? He was mostly trying to establish the timeline, um, and as far as what kind of email and Zoom um, communications they had had with all of us. So they were looking at probably from March 25th, then. So that was that a key moment they were looking at in the timeline? Yeah, I, sure. I gave him all the information and the emails that I sent about that to compliance. Um, and then I gave him the emails about the furlough and some other personal emails between myself and HR to kind of establish a timeline for him. Because when I was trying to apply for my medical leave, I kind of got the runaround. Uh, I got a lot of incorrect information from HR that sent me on a wild goose chase for the better part of a week. Um, and I've kind of filled him in on all that as well. During a COVID-19 outbreak. During a union organizing, during a cannabis control commission investigation, it sounds like now. Uh, Babs, did they talk to you as well? Uh, yeah, um, pretty much the same thing. I was not able to like delve too far into the areas that I didn't know about, but um, I gave them a timeline of like what the emails were that we had received. Um, and like the communications that I had like witnessed between certain folks within HR and um, employees um, in various places. So like I was able to provide a decent amount of information. Um, man, like the email um, where they told us all these things, all these provisions that they were getting us and then the protocol was gonna be implemented, but like, I saw nothing, nothing at all got done. Like it was just smoke and mirrors. And like, I, that's what I feel like a lot of this is. It's all that ever was for them. It's all this ever was. What kind, what kind of things like were in the provisions that they didn't do, that they ignored, that they said they would, prom you know, what, what kind of promises? Well, um, at the point that I was there, there was um, promises of getting masks and getting thermometers um, getting, um, you know, like an overabundance of the cleaning deep supplies cleaning. and How stuff about a very like, heavy, like a super heavy. Yeah, deep they, they mentioned deep cleaning, but like, 
three I times also, a day at one point. This, there's going to be a deep clean three times a day. So see, I didn't see that. hear that, that at Brookline, but um, I did ask them whether they like what company they were implementing the deep cleaning from because like I felt that that was information that an employee of a company should have the right to know because if our health and safety is going to be at risk it seems to be fair to know what company is actually coming in and right. like what kind of job is being done right absolutely do you want to add anything to that too uh Corinne? Oh, that was... Um, oh, that's Chris? Yeah. Yeah, when you... They made him do this weird thing where they they had him do a telehealth thing for the... Oh, okay. Okay, so they had they had me on a wild goose chase for information, basically getting my medical leave set up because, um, like Babs, I'm also immunocompromised. I have asthma, so I really didn't want to mess with anything. Um, on... I, I forget what day it was. It was around the 25th, probably the 23rd or 4th. I went into work and uh, I went to wash my hands in the bathroom. And I went to I turned to dry my hands and there were one ply kitchen napkins on top of the paper towel dispenser, both of which were empty. So clearly we don't have any supplies. So I called Corinne that day and said, "All right, I'm coming home early. That's it. I'm taking all my sick time on vacation time I can." So in in applying for a medical leave through HR, um, I got sent on that wild goose chase and I kind of finally got to the um, Parallels Company doctor, and it took me till about April 6th or 7th to do this. Uh, I got him to sign off on the fact that I have asthma and to recommend that my HR department say that I not come into work. Not a day later, they laid all of us off. So it was it was a bunch me doing a bunch of work to get information for them so that I could properly get laid off. Get, uh, get laid off. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Interesting. Not uh, the best way to do it. It seems like uh, not ideal. Always Netta does it the wrong way. It seems like this is the kind of the trend. Is that is that what we're? I mean, just basic stuff that like a uh, uh, lemonade stand would know how to do, which is like not firing. Tell people where it is. Not to mention, we got I got an email at like six thirteen p.m. and it said mandatory company meeting eight p.m. So we all sign on and I think it's the whole company, you know, thinking, you know, they're addressing everyone. Nope. Just you. You're furloughed and it's not everybody. It's just a select group of people on the Zoom call. Just 84 people who can't enter a chat so they have no way to ask questions or so, anything. Oh, they, you can't speak. You just have to watch them lay you yeah. off. Nice, nice personal touch. I think an email would have been better. I think an email would have been better. I'm just thinking out yeah. of the box here. Really, oh, I would rather get an email than, or you know, I've been. No, we got once. an email though. We got no an email. Got we got an email right after that saying that a whole bunch of people got laid off. But if you're getting this email, you're not laid off. But that was the wrong email chain. We were laid off. So <laughs> then they said, another, "Sorry, we're wrong." Another, then there was wrong. another email to follow up the first email saying, "Sorry about that first email." You, if you're getting the second email. You're still laid off. Yeah. Oh, man. Amateur. Which, I mean, I mean, I'm technically, I mean, I'm still. This is pretty bad. This is pretty I mean, awful. Up to 60 this days, is... they could recall me, but they're not going to. And the, yeah. You know, they could act like, oh, my appearance on this show or speaking out. But the reality is, is I hope that they help the people in that room and the people in the building. I hope all cannabis workers get a better condition because 
you know, this industry was just illegal, and not for nothing, but a lot of people are used to working in the shadows with this. So they, they're just not going to advocate for better treatment because they don't know that they deserve it. But this is legal work. You know, people deserve better and they're not going to give it to them of their own means, I guess. You know, I tried. I talked to the president. I talked to the director of clients. I'm still waiting on emails back from all my managers and all my supervisors. No one returned any of it. They're just not interested in helping. So how will they help? Honestly, I don't know. I think this would help. Maybe some public pressure. Because um, the conditions are not right. They need to get better. I'm definitely going to ask them for a comment on all, all of this. Pretty, you know, Thanks. probably tomorrow. <laughs> um, it's funny because they did have comment on the last story a couple times. Maybe they'll send me it later on, a few months later, when it got spread around <laughs> <laughs> involuntarily. They just, with you know, unsolicited the second time, they just uh, posted a bunch of stuff on Reddit. Um, yeah, because we we talked about COVID nineteen. I think we've covered that pretty pretty thoroughly, and obviously that's an ongoing concern. Uh, who knows what they're doing today, but there's this other issue that I hear a lot about, about people getting sick at NETA. Have you heard that? Have you gotten sick? What are the risks? What are people getting? I'm hearing like COPD. I'm hearing that word thrown around. Like, yeah. What yeah. is the issue with people getting sick? Cause I think we've shared a lot of stuff, which is important and awful, but I think this is really, I think it might, you know, some people will be surprised. I don't think the average person understands like how dangerous growing massive amounts of cannabis can be indoors when it's not properly done, when it's done with no ethics, when it's just about money. So tell us, what are, what are the risks? What are, how are people getting sick? What have you guys experienced? What do you know? Well, if we're going to talk about the environment that, in, in, that engenders the condition, it would have to be the actual cultivation space, which humidity, I believe, is the issue back there. And water damage, like um, Rob said, with the fire and just general spills for the whole time they've been operating, basically, seeping into drywall or sheetrock. And have you heard? Um, that, okay. I mean, that's the beginning of the contamination. So when I was there, I was working in the environmental services department. Um, so I was cleaning every single space in the back cultivation area that you can think of flower rooms, grow rooms, bedrooms, um, and anything around there, nursery, you know, clone area, all of that, upstairs, mezzanine, all that, whatever. Um, but the walls that I saw had mold on the inside of them. Um, the AC units that I saw had mold on the inside of them. Um, a lot of any areas, you know, in corners or anything like that, mold everywhere. So there's a lot um, of mold that you're inhaling if you're in the cultivation area every day. Right. Well, allegedly their air tests are completely fine and therefore, you know, any issues as far as breathing that you could possibly be having have nothing to do with the fact that you see black molds literally everywhere, like everywhere you look. Well, let's be, let's be completely transparent in the words of Netta. There are no air tests for the flower rooms that we are supplied with as employees. We have air tests for every other room in that building. So they won't the test the flower room. They'll test they every other room but the what? They've never released it to their employees. They have not released a test of their flower room 
air samples to their employees. We have a copy of their air samples because because I asked for them. Now, how did you get it? They gave it to you, but they didn't give it to the for the flower room. Well, the flower rooms are not listed in the report. Right. Okay. So they gave you everything else but the flower room. Right, and the funny kind of the well, I guess it's not funny, but the part, the issue was that the rooms that I was having breathing trouble in were the flower rooms, and they kept telling me it was from the plants because I'm allergic to the plants, and I. There were no plants in the rooms I was cleaning. That was the whole point. There had to be no plants in the rooms when we were cleaning them. But there was a whole lot of mold that I thought. And you were time. seeing the mold. Did they give <laughs> so, you a mask? I mean, to be around that, you're cleaning mold. Did they give you a mask? Yeah. I mean, well, that was the struggle. What kind of mask? Was it like a real mask or like a, you know, cloth mask? We had N95s. Okay. Um, at first, no one was really wearing any mask at all. Um, and then I kind of made us think about it because I saw what was growing, the mold that was growing. And I was kind of like, if you're going to be kicking this up or, or cleaning it at all, you should probably put something on your face. Um, but then, yeah, I ended up getting a respirator, but that took about like a month and a half to get the paperwork and, and all that kind of stuff. But well, the ACs. The ACs were the main issue. Um, so that was their whole claim. Like, just because it's growing in the ACs doesn't mean it's in the air. It doesn't mean it's anywhere else. And I'm just kind of like standing there looking at them like, what do you mean if it's not in the AC? If it's in the ACs, doesn't mean it's anywhere else. But then yet I go over and talk to people in the trim room and they're like, that batch that came out of that room was dirty and I won't go any further into talking about the product but you know it's it's not not in the air if that's what's happening and so what were the effects that you felt did you um, feel some oh so mostly like the areas I noticed that had issues there was Anytime they did anything with the ACs, the ACs were always caked in mold. And they, I know for a fact, because of those tests I had done, that it was ketomium, aspergillus versicolor, cladosporium, and another one. I, I'm sorry, I'm not super. Oh, open. is that, yeah, yikes. <laughs> right. It was a, it was a guild, of, it was a guild of five molds. Oh, and penicillium, of course, penicillium. And, Anyway, so that's what was in just one AC from one room from one tiny little swab sample that I did. So I know that that's so not... you whether you took this swab sample and they got it tested to, to the company yes. or, or on your own? No, I sent it out to an independent lab. Oh, so you did this on your own because you didn't trust yeah. what they were. Okay. Because I knew they were also the God. Yeah. Also, also and so you God. found all those things that you're mentioning and when you got it tested? Right, yeah. so that's what the test showed, just from that one dry swab sample that I had sent to a lab in culture. Can you send me that test later? Can you send me like yeah. a copy of that by via email? Yeah. Oh, I love yeah, that. It's up on Reddit, right? It is? I would yeah. like to see that. Well, I'll have to find that. I don't, I don't think I've seen that. That's so awesome to know. Is, I know for a fact that those are at least growing in the building. I don't, I don't have, you know, definitive evidence that they're in the air or that they're on the product or that any of that. I don't have any of that definitive. But it evidence. was in the, it was in the AC system when you it did swab. 
So, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Okay. But, they, they, but yet they claim the HVAC system is new every time you bring up the HVAC. Okay. It's only a year old. And great. It's great. It's been exposed. It has all this contaminants within a year, right? I mean, that's. Right. And right. I kept, I was hammering away on them above the HVAC and the ACs and they kept saying the ACs hadn't been used and I was like I personally turned them on and off myself when I was cleaning them so what are you talking about and then eventually they got turned off fully by their ultimate power source um and so I, I'm, I'm I'm not sure if they're using them or not at this point I mean obviously I haven't been there in a while but it's they haven't remediated the building, therefore, there's definitely still a have the issue. pieces of mold growing. That's yeah, there's, there's definitely mold and contaminants there. Now, Corinne, when you did this test and you got the results, were you working there? Did you tell them? Were they made aware? Oh, I had been telling them. I don't think I told them that I did the test because I thought they would fire me if yeah. I told them. You're right. Um, but I told their insurance agent. When you I, told their insurance agent? Uh, I had to meet with him because I had a workers' comp claim open because eventually after working in those environments for so long, I got asthma and I couldn't breathe anymore. So I asked for a medical accommodation. Right. If anyone and, needs a workman's comp lawyer, I have a great one too. Just to, uh, I'm sure that, I'm sure that the union uh, probably does as well. There's a lot of good workman's comp lawyers and attorneys. And when you're being abused by your you know, employer, you, you should probably talk to an attorney. It does make a difference. Rob, I, I, think... I, I know personally, I, I didn't, ex I mean, I experienced like some minor, relatively minor system changes after 11 months in, in trim, but I know probably one in five people that I know that work there have had developed asthma and these people, you know, smoke, you know, an ounce a week, pack of butts a week, um, don't have asthma, never had symptoms, never had upper respiratory problems at all. People that not you know especially healthy but never had symptoms of asthma never had serious respiratory problems two three weeks in trim all of a sudden have full-blown asthma can't breathe need to are on four or five allergy meds just to survive you know people in the room you know have to resort to sticking paper towels up their nose you know people wear you know multiple recycle masks because they're not qualified yet for a real respirator. And they say that it's such a big deal to get one fitted and it's so specific to where, there's like a couple of them just like lying around out back that have gotten forgotten about that are just covered in dust. That like, you know, you don't see people wear them and there's a reason, you know, if they say it's available if you need it, but if you really need it, they probably just encourage you to move outside the room somewhere and just go elsewhere in the company. That's you know, not good. Again, bad um, management. So Terrible. the reality is, is that the condition in the room is it seems like, oh, well, most people handle the room fine. But I wonder, you know, what's the condition inside here, you know, that I can, I could handle the room, quote unquote, handle it by not developing outright asthma. But maybe I'd be better off getting asthma because they'd get me out of the room faster. And maybe, you know, the longer you're in that room, who knows? Yeah, the longer. That's what I would be worried about, the length of time you're there. I mean, have you heard of COPD type? Like when you say asthma, yeah. has anyone gone to the doctor and got diagnosed? Yeah, like what are the when I say when I say asthma, I mean at some some people specifically asthma or something like asthma-like upper respiratory COPD in the mix. You know, just general kind of respiratory. So if I can if I can take that one, um, one day I was just going on a fifteen. 
outside to smoke a cigarette and I stopped in the break room to grab my lunch bag and I walked by a table because and I heard um, a kid I didn't know talking about his managers gaslighting him and about sick time and about even though he had doctor's notes they were going to write him up for calling in sick and I immediately stopped sat down at his table and said you don't know me and I don't know you but uh, what are they doing to you and um, turns out that he ended up getting a medical condition from that room COPD and um, they gaslight his managers were gaslighting him and telling him that it wasn't the room and it wasn't work the only different thing in his life and he had scarring in his lungs and not the first I I had a I had pneumonia after him of working in that room and it was you had pneumonia yourself you had yeah, pneumonia yourself for yeah. a month um, no a month after a month after work okay after yeah. a month you started but this yeah. gentleman had COPD how long did he work in that room? Four or five months. Four or five months, yeah. Um, but what, hap what, what happened from there too? Like, so he's got he's got COPD. He's been working there four or five months. They're gaslighting him. They're writing him up for being sick. You sit down. What happens from there, Chris? So uh, I gave him the advice that I did. So basically, it, it ties in with my case. Um, I got sick after a month of being in the room, but it was after they didn't have the N95 masks in the room anymore. So they ran out of them for a few days. I only had a dental mask, which is what they recommend for you, unless you want extra protection. There's this weird culture around not educating the employees in the room enough to protect themselves against what could possibly be in the room. Because they want you to believe that the work is completely hazard-free. So their lack of transparency about the fact that some of it is hazardous is what's ultimately hurting people. Dangerous. Um, so I gave him the advice um, that that to take the path that I did, which was um, apply, go to HR, tell them exactly what's going on with the situation, tell them his managers are gaslighting him, even though he has the doctor's notes to cover his sick time that he needs to take because he was affected by the environment at work. I told him to apply for a respirator um because as soon as you apply for a respirator and you're that bad i i was barred from wearing all n95s um inside the building that's how bad the room made my lungs and that's when they had to transfer me out of the department so the the thing is it kind of ties into what we were talking about earlier is if, if you get bad enough to need a respirator you won't be able to work with a respirator because your lungs aren't good enough to, to, wear to wear one with the resistance that it gives you. Wow. Catch 422. Yeah. That's terrible. That's terrible. Out of the department. And um, it, it also separates, you know, the people that are affected by the environment from the people that aren't. Seems like they do a lot of separation of people. Um, Vabs has been quiet. I know that you work in Brookline and maybe different there. Do you have anything to add on this as well? I mean, so like everyone getting sick, maybe not to the degree that could be happening at Franklin, but at Brookline, if someone gets any type of like cold, flu, illness, it will fly through that building and a lot of people tend to get sick. Um, very, very, there's only like one um, air, like air unit 
in the building that like circulates the air. So anyone that walks in that door that's sick with something that's contagious, like viral, you're getting it nine times out of 10, unless you have a superb immune system. Uh, we're talking about New England treatment access, NETA. Uh, some people uh, are aware medical cannabis and recreational cannabis. Their rec business is closed right now, but a medical cannabis dispensary in Massachusetts, they have a couple locations, three locations, right? Northampton, Franklin, and uh, the one that most people know around the Boston area is Brookline. Um, we're speaking to their employees, former employees who have a lot of health and safety concerns and worries. Um, Rob mentioned that you're worried about the people still in that building, still working there. Yes, sir. It's and like, I'm worried. For them yeah. You know, I think this, this whole culture, this whole industry, the dream, right? What, what do we all hope for? Is that something that we've all cared about? You know, I just turned 30. You know, I, uh, you know, I'm not recommending it to the general public, but I've been smoking longer than I haven't been in my life. And I, I'm going to be for my whole life because this is what I care about. This is my passion. And this is just legal. It's just becoming legal. It's just, you know, this is exciting. You know, have a health care, have a 401k from a company, um, you know, grown butt. I and mean, that's amazing. But then to be treated still like a criminal, to be treated subhuman, like you don't deserve respect. You don't deserve safety. You know, it's still happening today, and it, it, it's not going to happen any longer if, um, you know, if, I, if we have anything to, to say about it. We got a question. Uh, I'm sure there's more questions on the uh, Facebook Live, but I'm just in my uh, Facebook watch party. Uh, Chauncey Spencer had a question. He said, ever check for ozone in the facility? Yeah, they have, they'll do tests in the trim room. Um, it's like everything, you know, they, they, they want it to be positive so you can make it positive. If it's what, if that's what you want, that's what you want. But I don't know if that's reality. I mean, they have plenty of paperwork that suggests the room is safe. They have plenty of tests. They have plenty of science, but it's in my mind the, you know, working in that room for damn near a year, I, I will tell you. You don't not. feel safe. You don't feel like it's safe. You would not recommend after your experience that it's safe. You, you would not say that any of you, right? All, I want to make sure like all of you are basically saying the same thing. You don't feel like, I know Babs is still a little different, but the, the three of you that worked in Franklin, you don't feel like those rooms are safe. Is that correct? No, sir. And I don't feel like they educate you enough and give you the to the risks. Yeah. They don't provide you the education information about it. Right. Yeah. No. Um, for instance, I was kind of going to go off of what Rob was saying. Like when I first started there, I really wanted to legitimately help the industry. Like I, <laughs> I had asked, I have a degree in environmental protection and safety. So I've taken, you know, courses in OSHA, I've taken biology and chemistry courses. So I, <laughs> I went in with this huge high hope that, oh, they're so compliant. Look at how well this is run. Oh my goodness, this is a dream. And then about maybe a week or two in, I realized that I was very much looking at a bunch of people who didn't really know any regulatory protocols, any safety protocols. It was it was very, very concerning immediately because I realized what a hazard everything was and the fact that no one either knew or cared. I think you're 
services the industry right now. Like this is because people need to know. They need to hear this. They need to be aware. People that are getting into it. You know, I guarantee you there's employees that are brand new over there or a couple months in that have no clue. Right. Once they start hearing, they'll start looking around and saying, wow, what, right. wow. You know, so right. um, I want to hear about the union because we talked about that. We kind of talked about that, that in passing, but there is union organizing right now at New England Treatment Access. And then they laid everyone off right when there's supposed to be a union vote, right? Was that there's a Brookline? There was one scheduled in Brookline. Bab, this is yeah. Um, so I, <clears throat> I um, union, I organized like some of it. So I definitely partook in the organizing factor for like the union because we weren't being listened to. Um, the environment had changed tremendously. It was like walking on eggshells every day that I was there. And for the most part, like I, I think that I had a pretty good rapport with most of the people that I worked with, but like it felt off and I don't know where that off was coming from, but like we had folks from parallel uh, or Certera coming in and like, I don't know, every time they were there, the environment was very strange. Um, it was, ah, oh, man, it was very uncomfortable like management was always under tremendous amounts of pressure. Um, and I think that everything else that followed suit put them under more pressure. And I don't necessarily think no one really knew how to handle it properly. Um, like just the fact that I was organizing and it was known, I made it known to management. I was like, I'm a union organizer. Like, you guys aren't listening to us and it kind of needs to change like and they laid you off you were because someone is asking that did anyone who signed an a card get laid off you were yes, you were union I did. yeah yes. you did. and did, did other did some of you also sign the union card as well uh the one well which one I'm just one. I, he's saying an A card. I don't even know what the heck that is. Uh, no, I don't know what that but is. It's you know. I basically think when you're organizing, you have to call a vote, right? You're calling. Well, a vote. yeah. So it was it was early on. It was to the point that the president of the company is sending emails telling people to you know know the truth about unions and communicate, get all the facts, be knowledgeable. But the reality is, you don't get an email back about anything that ultimately the union could potentially help with. Um, and, you know, they're completely unwilling to talk with the representatives to have, you know, it, it's interesting. They say, oh, we'll talk to each other, get all the facts, but not on work time. Because if you talk about it on work time, they're going to tell you, don't talk about it because you can't talk about it. So it's very, it was hostile, you know, it's very, you know, the legal toe the line. You know, we can't tell you whether you can or can't do this, you know, it's your choice. Could be worse, could be better could be the same. Like it was all so just legalese, just, you know, and, uh, but it menacing at the same time, because then lo and behold, you know, here comes the ax, you know, half the company and who, who do they let go? All the frontline workers, because where was the most support for the union? Who's even eligible for the union? You know, it's frontline not, workers. Amen. So that's so, who they laid off is the ones who are organizing 
is there going to be a union vote and and did they stop this in brookline or is that like done like how does that work well i mean all union elections right now i mean are all it's kind of tied up with the covid19 on top of the layoff situation furlough situation i mean it's all uh, truthfully it's a bit of a mess so you know we are hoping you know to, to raise some awareness and and maybe people have ideas for direction or 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 I don't know. We're looking for help. <laughs> you know, yeah. who will help us? Because the cannabis workers mean, I don't know. It's, we're 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 not only the people that work in the industry, but you know, we, we're consumers. We're patients too. So, you know, how you treat us is largely how you treat the people you're gonna sell your product to. So, amen. Um, so I I mean, I imagine when the COVID nineteen ends, there would be a union vote. Is that correct? I believe so. Yeah, I, I mean, so it like, seems like you guys have picked a kick-ass union. I know you, uh, Universe, uh, I can't even say it. UFCW, they kick butt. I mean, they they did the stop and shop. They're like, there's where the where the fight is. There's like two unions that matter right now. It's like, yeah, uh, oh, I believe. Yeah, the service industry yeah. union and, uh, you know, the commercial food workers, because that's where all the service jobs are now. That's where the battle is. Right. And the healthcare, you know, the health and safety, the PPE, the type of support, the health and wellness support that we talk about is always like held over our heads as one day, one day in the new handbook, it's coming and new services are coming. It's all, it's, it's, you know, it's not substantial. It's not nearly substantial enough to make a difference. Uh, and, you know, I, I think there, there's an answer for that. And there's a reason if you're a frontline worker being paid minimum wage and you don't get any representation, you need representation. I could see why people want to unionize. I mean, just, I think anyone listening to this tonight would totally see why when you're health and safety and they're not paying you enough on top of it and all that we fought for to make this legal, it just, it kind of disgusts me. Honestly, I, I thought from ever on these campaigns from decrim to medical to legal. And uh, it just sucks to see people get av taken advantage of. Um, we got more comments in the, uh, at least the, I'm sure we have a lot more comments in the uh, main page, but I'm just reading some of the comments in the watch party right now. Um, Joanna writes part two question. I don't know where your part one is, Joanna. So I'm going to read your part two. Uh, how many patients have complained of getting sick? And a rumor in the com community is that Netta has had heavy metals in their cannabis. We already talked about the heavy metals. Have you had any of you had patients complain of getting sick? I guess is a question. Probably not. I mean, three of you have don't have that kind of. Yeah, it's for Babs. Yeah, for Babs. Do you see that happening, or is that? I mean, um, it's probably not even something you might want to answer. We're really dealing I, with the employee issues, but go ahead if you want to answer. Yeah, it. like it's it's. I haven't heard anything in that regard, um, and I really hope to not hear anything in that regard, Amen. just because of the fact that like people there are people that could be at extreme risk for being very susceptible to certain things to happen to them. And it just, it doesn't sit right with me to have believed so much in cannabis as a medicine, as like a relief of any variety, like how, ah, I don't know. It just, it, it would break my heart if I heard that patients or clients were getting sick 
because of the things that this industry may or may not be doing. Yeah. I think we all agree on that. Definitely. Ditto. Seconded forever. We got more questions coming in. It's funny. They're all rolling in now. Everyone knows that we're asking questions from the watch party. I'm sure uh, the other, it's funny. You only can show one on your phone. I need another phone or something or a tablet, but uh, here's a question. Uh, do plants have to be destroyed if a COVID-19 suffer sneezes on the plants? Is there a protocol? <laughs> Good question for the COVID-19 task force. <laughs> yeah. No one knows. I, I don't know, do you? They assured us that there was no contamination of any product in the building um, after they had J. Brian Day go in and do a, a sanitizing of the building, which I'm not sure how you sanitize a room with marijuana plants in it. I don't know how to answer that question. You can't you know? spray any chemicals. I know that. Yeah. So your guess is as good as ours. A lot of uh, questions people have on this. A lot of listeners too. Um, I mean, we've been going for, wow, uh, an hour and a half now. You're warriors. You guys answered every question. Do you want to kind of leave us with anything important that people should know about the plight of net of workers? I mean, I feel terrible that you, you know, have, you know, no longer working there. Some of you, um, some of you quit. Some of you have been furloughed, fired, whatever we call it. But you want there's a lot more. There's a lot more of us, you know, than, than just the four of us. I'm, I'm, you know, really honored to, you know, to be in, you know, this company that I'm in now. But not just the four of us, but all of us working there and not, you know, it's a, it's a family, it's a beautiful thing. And what it could be there is still a beautiful thing. And what, you know, we hope the industry can be and, you know, what it's going to be, you know, we're not going to let it be just another take advantage of the, you know, people that work on the front lines and just pillage for profit. You know, like working conditions are going to be better and it's going to be fair. It's going to be a living type of condition that respects your human dignity and your safety. We're still working and still fighting I'm, for that. I'm glad you said that, Rob, because I, I actually believe that too. And I believe it because of you and others like you. Because someone left a comment, you know, nothing will ever change. And a lot of people feel like that because they saw me report this story two years ago and nothing happened. Yeah. But I think a lot has changed. I think, you know, we have some better reports. And that's because some, of you, man. We appreciate not you. Not just me, like but you. a lot of Anne Hassel, uh, and other, you know, I, I think – I think also things that have changed too is, you know, we have someone younger like Dan Adams at the globe that seems to give it, I don't know how far he can go or how far he will go, but no, to, to everybody that push for it, man, to progressive policymakers, to people that advocate in the community, to people that, you know, it's obviously not what it should be in the state and in the industry kind of as a whole, but right. When people say it'll never change, they said we'd never get medical. That's right. And then they, and then, and they, then they said, said we'd never get medical. And I predict because we, you know, back in the day when I was with Mascan, I'll tell you, 2008, 2007 or whatever it was. Right. We got the poll numbers. We saw the change. And it was basically when Gen X, you know, joined with the baby boomers. The baby boomers were kind of, you know, they've kind of got more conservative as they get older. They were, you know, of course, like everybody. Right. But, you know, at a certain point, it flipped like it went from. 35 wanted it legal to 65 wanted it, you know, or decrim actually. <laughs> right. And we knew we were going to win and no one in the state believed it. And we were like, even the people on our side, we were like, no, this isn't going to win. It's like, no, 
we're if this is flipped, we're gonna win this. Right. Not gonna win. It can't lose. It. It yeah, can't lose. that's it. I was guaranteeing it, and I and I at that point I wrote it down. I was like, I, I was the first to write this down. I wrote this was like 2013 after we, uh, uh, not 2013, 2009 after we actually won Decrim. <laughs> I wrote it down. I wrote 2012 medical, 2016 legal. You know, and it's exactly what happened. I knew oh, we were gonna oh. win every four years. Mm-hmm. It was so obvious at that point, and Amen. no one believed it. And I think this Amen. is the same thing. So Amen. I want to thank you all for uh, speaking up today. There's Thanks a workers mo- movement, and I want all the consumers out there, advocates, the politicians, the journalists, and even the people who have been with us all along. You know that, like the medical advocates, change is coming. And this is an example. Tonight, we had four people who got up and said, we're not scared of lawsuits. We're not afraid of big cannabis. We're not afraid of getting blackballed. We're going to tell the truth. We're going to be right. honest about our experiences. And there's a power in numbers, and there is change coming, and they're going to have to start treating employees better at these places. Um, I want to ask you all another question, too, before I really let you go. Non-disclosure agreements has come up. It's been a big issue even when I was uh, you know, looking into this story two years ago. People have been forced to sign non-disclosure agreements for severance pay. It's silence whistleblowers oftentimes. Were you asked to sign non-disclosure agreements? Uh, are you yeah. afraid of that? Of, you know, have, of, after signing them, are you afraid of getting sued? Um, and number two, you know, three, I guess I asked three part question. Do you think the government should do something about this issue? So, yes, I was asked to sign an NDA for uh, my severance pay. Um, am I worried about this coming back and, you know, like coming down with <clears throat> a lawsuit or like being subpoenaed? I mean, they're just going to be suing me for my student loan debt. Let's be honest here. I'm not worth anything. If they want to come after me, more power to them. But like, I don't have anything that they could gain out of this whatsoever. So like they can try, um, whatever but in my opinion i have done nothing to disparage the company because the only thing that i've wanted all along is for the company to do the right thing that's it i have just wanted to be treated like a decent human being i have wanted like our patients and our clients to receive the best service i just want the best for everyone and if that can't be seen with everything that i've been doing all along then that sucks because that's all I've ever wanted. Amen. Amen. Absolutely, Bev. We, I signed an NDA at the beginning of employment, but I'm okay with this because I, I know that health and safety issues and mold is not covered under an NDA. Um, so I think it's time that everyone knew um, what we've been dealing with and what we've been trying to get fixed with a really solid try from the inside for a very long time now. And just, it's been like hitting a wall. So this is, this is our absolute basically last ditch effort to get this for everyone, for us, for the workers, for people still there throughout the industry in Massachusetts. Um, And I think what ultimately needs to come from this, hopefully, is that they find a serious health and safety-based regulatory body or somewhere that the cannabis industry can fit under 
because that seems to be the biggest blind spot right now and the biggest hazard that uh, that could lead to a really tragic event that we don't want to see because it's all of our friends in there. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you want to add anything to uh, Chris or Rob? Uh, well, it's just kind of ironic because the company's efforts to stop employees from organizing in this have been, you know, there from the infancy in Franklin. We're not actually ready for an election yet, but you know, people have been signing cards and they had what's called an inoculation meeting, which one of our friends in the lab whose father is in a union kindly informed us that that's what kind of meeting it was. And our director of operations was standing directly in front of uh, a reservoir of ethanol, which is pretty explosive. And the ethanol was at 170 degrees and it flashes at 174. So while he's telling us that unions are bad, don't organize. We want to talk to you. We want to maintain the, um, the owner and employee relationship. This ethanol is about to explode behind him. So I just kindly asked him to move and turn the ethanol down. And no one in that room even knew we were unsafe. Yeah. Crazy. That's the biggest issue is people not knowing the hazards that they're even that they're even right next to. It was it was a it was a great you know metaphor for the entire situation for me at least I don't and he didn't even know the director of operations didn't know that he was about to blow up because he was blocking off someone's station with ethanol at a flashpoint. Crazy crazy craziness. No wonder why they want everyone to sign an NDA non-disclosure agreement on the way out the door. I mean, this is just like, you could write a book, guys. I mean, we're we're over 90 minutes now, and we've gone through, like, one Mickey Mouse thing after another, like, that any person who was any business person ever would think they're just common sense. I mean, this isn't even stuff they teach you in business school. It's just common sense. Um, looking out for people, making sure they don't get hurt, especially when you're creating something like cannabis, growing it commercially. I, I mean, I, I worked in uh, beer distributed, you know, I worked in a union shop for beer distribute, you know, distribution. We weren't even manufacturing the stuff. And you could imagine the stuff. I mean, we would have some real safety meetings and like serious stuff. Like th it's a real issue. Like that was like one of the top things that we would go over like every day. And it would be like serious. Like if there's any right. kind of pushback, like right. you could complain about all kinds of crap there and they wouldn't listen to you. But if there was a safety issue, there'd be 10 guys over there, like, you know, shutting down the freaking place. Right. And I think maybe that's because there was what a union there. So gee, I wonder why you guys need a union, right? I mean, it's so obvious management is ridiculous at this, uh, doing on treatment access. I want to ask you, I've been saying one more question. They just keep popping out, but there's a guy who owns it. coming, man. Sub, sub, sub terror or whatever this company is, Bo Wrigley. He's like a billionaire. The guy who owns this now yeah. is a billionaire. Does he? Is he aware? Have you talked to him? You've had conversations with him I about this. Him. Yeah, you have. I like, what does yeah. he say? He just ignores you. I mean, he's worth billions yeah. of dollars. He has a resume that shows he does charity. He makes himself look like a good guy. What's the deal? I mean, I don't know anything about his personal life, but um, all I know is I emailed him and I told him exactly what I had seen, you know, the mold and the ACs, my concerns about the health hazards, 
Um, I, I even, you know, suggested that there are good commercial remediation companies in Massachusetts. You know, it's a normal problem to have in Massachusetts. Uh, so, you know, it's pretty, pretty safe and, you know, not costly comparatively than, and, you know, I had this whole long thing and I sent it right off and I didn't expect it to go directly to him, but it did. And he emailed back, thank you, I'm looking into it, Bo. And uh, then I got a, a call from their VP of Risk Government, Governance and Compliance. And they sent a team from Parallel, Terra, whatever they're called technically, um, from Florida up to Massachusetts to take a look around. But then when she called me afterwards, um, from what I understood, they went in, sort of did a little bit of a tour, looked inside one wall, said, yes, that was a problem. They were going to replace that one thing. They, um, you know, essentially didn't talk to any of the individuals that I told them to talk to and then took the company's bunk air test that we talked about before at face value and left. So that was it? They didn't talk to you again? No. Once I had that phone call in the rundown and I and she told me that they had taken their air test and hadn't talked to any of the individuals that I asked them to talk to. I knew that there was really no point. To fix it in. Yeah. Well, it's depressing, a lot of it, but it's also inspiring. That, you know, we have four individuals here who are speaking up, and I know a lot of people are watching, a lot of people are listening. We're seeing a lot of people commenting about their own stories from New England Treatment Access, former employees. Uh, people who are telling, you know, what they saw. And so many of them are agreeing on, you know, and, and happy that you're speaking up today. So I want to thank all four of you. Well, thank you, Mike. Thanks for having us on, you know. Yeah, thank um, you for the platform, for sure. And I hope uh, people listen, too. If you missed it, if you watched some of it, you can always catch it on the replay on Facebook. Uh, some people don't like Facebook. We put it on our podcast, too. Um, you can listen to it on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you find your iTunes or your podcast. It will be on every service. Just take a look for it. Tune in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what to do. Everyone, you know, you know what to do. Wherever you consume. I don't even know where they listen to it. All you're doing, all you're doing is consuming content. Yeah, wherever you so. consume your content, make sure you get up. And man, I just want to say solidarity to, to everyone that we, you know, work with at Netta, everybody that we work with in the cannabis industry, all laborers everywhere man i mean it's this is a tough time to be in the front lines for everybody and you know in the cannabis industry people mock us online all the time and they say like oh you're not getting it before you, know, you think you're getting hazard pay you think you're going to get ppe before uh, someone else does and it's you know we we share all the uh, an incredibly crowded facility and if you're going to have us work during a pandemic calling us medically essential personnel then our conditions should meet that they should be requisite with that and if they're not then i think we have we're more than within our you know i think it's reasonable to say that you know we we did our due diligence we tried to go about the channels that they would tell us i'm sure oh you could have gone this way and could have talked to us and could have done this we did we did that we have the receipt and they didn't they didn't they didn't do anything so you know maybe they'll do something now and if they try to sue us and come down on that way which okay that's the route they want to go fine but we are honestly and genuinely just to echo Babs and Corinne and Chris. I mean, we are, we just want what's best and we just want, you know, this to be the best and, and this to be our dream. We've dreamed of this and to be safe and have this be reasonable. And 
and and that's something that you know we we can, I think we can all get behind. I think so. I hope so. Um, Netta, you got to get your act together. It's clear. <laughs> get the union in there. I, if I was Netta, I'd be saying like, union, what do we do? How do we fix this? Like, it's so obvious. They should just work. They they're spending so much money on lawyers and and people trying to defeat your union. They should call the union in and say, how do we fix this? How do we get workers happy and healthy? And protect them this isn't you know it's just they yeah. should do the opposite if i was running that place i would have it number one by doing the right thing love that. Yeah, people might. would love that like you know when are you gonna people open up are a dying to go to a dispensary that does the right thing running, we need we need you to run a dispensary for us and where's the you know I as would, a customer you know, we, could, we, could, we could trim for you man we could we could go for you seriously i mean customers want to go to a place that treats their employees right especially Amen. in cannabis. I mean, we want Amen. that. That's why so many people are saying, you know, I'd rather go to the black market. At this point, I've seen cleaner products at the black market. But other than that, I mean, <laughs> the, uh, the, the industry needs to also probably not be safety-wise unless they are going to create an entire new division of the CCC. Um, I would not recommend... Uh, giving over all of your health and safety uh, problems to the CCC because the guy we talked to didn't know what OSHA was. So that's that, pretty. That's pretty insane. I mean, it was concerning. It was definitely concerning. Um, so I don't know if we just didn't talk to maybe the right person or if that's kind of across the board how it would be. But I think that. We need it. We really, really need to focus on finding a solid regulatory body for us to fall under and have all of those concerns be able to be addressed. Or having each department fall under a different whatever it qualifies for, because there right. are some production and there are some, you know, that could be considered agriculture. Right. So it's it it needs to fall in the state where the, the state's not taking responsibility for it. I think. They created right. this thing called the CCC, and then they said, this will regulate everything that has to do with cannabis. And right. now we have workers in unsafe conditions because the CCC found absolutely nothing to help mm -hmm. workers. And I think there's a little workers. conflict of interest over there because, honestly, I think that they're just trying to launch the industry. They're worried they're going to look bad, so they don't want anything bad coming out on it right now because, let's be frank, there's a lot of enemies against cannabis. There always have been who are reefer mad. And that's even in our own movement. So often we don't want to turn out bad actors because we're afraid that those reefer mad idiots out there will make us all look bad. And that's a big concern. But the bigger concern, and I've been warning people of this and the Cannabis Control Commission, someone noted this, gee, if they had just listened to someone two years ago, there wouldn't be a COVID-19 story in the Boston Globe. So that's what we're saying. Like, if you don't fix it now, if you right. didn't fix it two years ago, right. then it's just going to get worse later. There's going to be worse stories in the globe. And yeah. it won't be Dan Adams maybe writing a story who actually likes the industry. It might be someone from the Boston Herald or the Lowell Sun or even worse. You know, maybe it's Kevin Sabet. You know, who, I mean, he, I'm, yeah. I'm sure he would love to find out about what's going on at Netta. Yikes. You know, we, so, could have, we could have we could have Alex Ferenson talking about yeah. not only cannabis's effects, but also like how bad the industry is. For these, that's a know, whole other drug addled, drug addled lunatic. You, you guys know who he is. Does everyone know who Alex Ferenson is now? Yeah. Uh, oh, my God. No. Former New York Times reporter who's Fucking hated. Asshole. Now he's now his new thing is the 
he's the, he wants America to reopen. He's, he's reopening. That's his new thing. He's the COVID reopening. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's branch Covidian thing. now. Now yeah, he's, he's about freedom. What a wing dinger. When it was about cannabis, no, no freedom. When it's about Covidians, it's branch Covidian time. It's freedom. What a hack. What a hack. He's getting famous. It's all about his clicks on his. But that's what they're gonna do. They're gonna play into that crowd's hands. That's that's what they're yeah. gonna do. They're gonna turn our industry into a laughing stock. Our culture yeah. is gonna be turned into a laughing stock, uh, yeah. and then worse, because then people are gonna get hurt. We're gonna stop it. We're gonna we're gonna do something. You know, this is us doing something about it before it gets worse. Because the reality is, people are have been hurt. People have been affected irreparably. You know, for the rest of their lives. But the hope is that we can do something about it now to stop it and then make it better. And eventually we are gonna build this to be the best industry that's ever been. I mean, this is going to be the dream. We are going to see this through. And or die, or options, die trying, man. God damn it. That's right. <laughs> and there's gonna be options too. I mean, we're already seeing, before they closed down the rec shops, there was at least one in Boston that had opened that was black owned for the first time, you know, and not like, uh, yeah, shut up, Pure Oasis. Yeah, and not black owned, but like, you know, really white owned. You know what I mean? Like right. sometimes right. they do that where they make right. it look like it's one thing, but it's sure. really the other. So, you know, there's a lot more, uh, like we've been championing a lot of them. A lot of them are still tied up like Chauncey Spencer, but some of them are starting to progress through the micro applicants and the, you know, the different types of economic empowerment. So there's hopefully going to be some options in the industry so that you don't just have to work for big scummy cannabis anymore. And uh, they're going to have some competition, you know? So right. for customers it, it and employees. It doesn't have to be this way. It does not have to be the cold corporatist kind of calculating way that other industries have been. This is not the way. You know? Yeah. Where your, where your president sits on the board of the CCC. That yeah, that like was that's weird. The cab you're talking about, the, the <laughs> cannabis advisory board, that gets brought up often. I want to ask you. I keep saying one more question, but there are other employees throughout the state at other dispensaries that are probably in a very similar. They may be hearing this. I hear these stories all the time. What would you suggest to them? Like, if they're at a dispensary, they're being abused. They're seeing similar crap, health and safety issues. What would you suggest to them? What What would be the steps that they should be looking at? You have a right to your safety. You, just because you work in cannabis, first and foremost, you have the right to your safety, your human dignity, just because you're handling a product that has been demonized and is still demonized largely. Uh, you have a right to that first and foremost. I would, I would document anything that happens to you, trying to protect yourself as best yeah. you can. In writing. I would say that's huge because when Ann Hassel, that's what she had that you don't see. She had every date. I wrote this letter to this person on this day. I have this screenshot. She kept it all. She, you know, get a Google Drive. You know, it's you store it online. You don't even have to store it in your computer, but get a Google Drive um, and just keep the documents. Keep a big file of everything, right? Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. you'll forget and you want dates and times and who was there and all that. And just it, keep, almost like keep it a diary too. Like, you know, if, if you had a meeting and something weird happened, write it down. Yeah, yeah, the timeline's really important, um, especially any specifics, like any specifics of, you know, uh, all the people that you can think of involved in anything 
even if it doesn't seem like it would be relevant, just everything going on in that time of like, oh, I'm sorry. It's, there's so much, there's so much to, to keep track of, depending on what you're trying to look for. But everything helps and anything helps, you know? Yeah, you never know when, what might be important later too. You really right. don't. Some certain emails you think don't matter at all. And then, you know, two weeks down the line, it's like, oh crap, where's that email? So <laughs> back everything up. Yeah, if you, if you think it won't age well, it won't. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's, it's true. Well, I want to thank you all. We have, uh, we had a great conversation. A lot of people are still watching. No one's dropped off. You can see it's uh, huge numbers. So you're getting the word out. I mean, I guarantee you, Ned is going to hear about this. If they haven't already heard about it tonight, they'll be hearing about it by the morning. You know, and, I, I, and I'm pretty sure there's some, you know, reporters watching as well. So, you know, I may have told a couple of them. Well, you know, they can reach out. If they, if they reach out to you, they can get a hold of me. I, I don't want to speak for anybody else, but, you know, I, I, got, I got plenty more to say. And, oh, you know, I got, not, plenty, I got plenty more to do. Awesome. So let's get it. And I think uh, I'm going to put this as an open forum, too, whether, you know, we do it with the same grouping here or other employees. Uh, we're going to keep at this. Like, I want to keep this open lines of communication. Um, I want to see you guys get your union. I want to see you get your jobs back. I want to see you get Netta changed. I'm like so 100% like solidarity yeah. with you. Like, so let's keep doing this. And if you know other employees that should get on with us, let's just keep drumming it. Like just keep hitting the drum because them not treating employees well pisses me off to no end. I mean, that is, it shouldn't be when you're talking about this kind of money that exchanges hands. Amen. That's the thing with the money they have, they could have the ideal ultimate environment. I think the, the funds just aren't being spent properly in order to do that. Somehow it's a nonprofit, right? It was. was <laughs> right. Was. Yes. Sorry. But yeah, I Overall, I mean, they just need to fix the environment. Once the environment is fixed, I, I have confidence that with with additional safety and training in those respects, they, they'd be able to have a, oh, something great again or great in general. And um, they, they really just need to invest in the actual structure and the actual workers and not to say they are. Agreed. Agreed. And Agreed. I think uh, a union would help. I think that they they, yeah. they should be actually encouraging so a union vote. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's, it's a perpetual culture right now of your review is coming, more safety and more training is coming, back Where around to your review is coming, back around to, oh, we changed hands to a newer company, their review is coming, more health and safety training is coming. We're working on the health we're and hiring, safety training. We're hiring more people. Oh, oh, your reviews are coming, though, I swear. Like, who's working on the health and safety training? Like, health and safety training, health and safety doesn't really change all that much. It's pretty standard. You can just, like, get a program. Like, why is it taking seven months? I don't know. <laughs> right, right. It should be of a prior priority. And then it's like uh, they keep delaying you, and then they lay you off. I mean, that's just says it all. We were told there was going to be a parallel comp review in April um, that would 
maybe raise all of our pay. That was also part of the union inoculation meeting. We were told a bunch of things like sick time was changing, vacation time was changing, you're going to get a review in April. Don't we were getting a new paid holiday on uh, Friday, you know, the, the, spring, the spring holiday, Friday, April 10th, they, they furloughed half and laid off half the company on Thursday, April 8th, or like, you know what I mean, Wednesday, Wednesday night, April 8th, two days before yep. Friday, the holiday, and we didn't get it in our check, like we were oh, able to holiday cool. day. That and is, then there was going to be, in theory, I don't know, allegedly, there was going to be some like frontline pay that kicked in on the 28th for the April 28th for the, I, and I don't know what happened, but like it seemed like other people, other departments, one by one, were getting bonuses and raises to their hourly rate. And then we thought, oh, well, maybe we're next. We were next, but not for a raise. Oh, that sucks. Oh, my God. It sounds like a disaster in so many respects. I want to thank you all. We have uh, Cor- Corinne Prado. Rob Colley, Barbara, or Babs, I like Babs, ba- and she's like a, the leader, one of the leaders. You've got a couple leaders here, but you're definitely, right. yeah, big props to Babs, and uh, we got Chris, Thank Chris you Perkins, too. <laughs> Thank you all for being here tonight. You're, Thank you, Mike, so awesome. to everybody out there, man. You know, you're not alone. We're in this shit together. Absolutely. Yeah. I think you're getting a lot of love too. Like uh, just all the comments, you know, people are loving you right now. They're very proud. Um, My other host of the show says amazing show, Grant Smith. He says, this has been really informative, huge kudos to the whistleblowers for speaking out. So shout out the young jerks. Thank you. Thank you. you you We will talk very soon. And uh, thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you guys. Thanks. I know. Stay safe. Uh, we are smoking at the bowl or what? Are we off air? Do you guys do a post show? Do you do a, do a little decompression or what? That was great, man. Thank you very much. That was amazing. Off our feet, feet, put them on our heads, handcuffs on our wrists. Now we running from the feds instead of picking cotton. Now we slaving on a job site. All your modern day times better get your mind right. Black and brown stick together because the system is against us. We can't let them come and divide us all up and Willie Lynch. Those of us out in the field gotta get ready for war. Those of us inside the house, speed us We got a door waiting for master to put the plan in action. we not sitting at the table and we ain't taking their rations. We're doing all the work, but only. They can cash in, imagine if we kicked in the door and started blasting. Hi, it's Mike Crawford of The Young Jerks. I want to thank you for listening, subscribing to The Young Jerks podcast, and also recommend that if you would like to support us with a financial contribution, that you do so through the Anchor app or through midnightmass.substack.com, become a paying subscriber. Or if you'd like to just send us a donation, you could do so through Venmo. It's Mike Crawford TYJ on Venmo. Thank you very much. And uh, also, if you could rate and review us on iTunes, it is much appreciated. Thank you.